Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. You guys are appearing to be slightly exhausted, but in the best possible way, right? Can I just see your hands just real quick, just across the room? I'm just going to count the fingers real quick. Do we all still have our fingers from last night? I think we look pretty good. That means you guys were safe. That's always a good thing. It's better. It's more than we can say for Nick Kofall down front here. But anyways, we're going to hop in the words here. We've got a lot to do in half an hour, but this is going to be good. You guys ready? Awesome. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of talk fast here. And uh, here's what I want to do today, all right? We, 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 did a, we just finished a four-week series on making space. Is that helpful for anybody here in the room here today? I pray that your lives are filled with all kinds of great God-ordained margin in every possible way, and you're experiencing good stuff. We're, we're moving beyond that, so today is just kind of a single message that I wanted to bring. And uh, I, I wanted to speak, I, I want to take a little bit more time to speak into one aspect of this whole flurry of conversation that's been happening in our country this last week or so um, around the Supreme Court, all those types of things. Now, probably like you, I'm a little overhearing all kinds of new perspectives, perspectives and angles on this. And so I'm, I don't want to so much talk about the actual decision or su- Supreme Court. What I want to actually talk about is, is the church, the church at large, the church specifically in America— and what I believe is, is one way that we can respond or one way that we can uh, have an elevated perspective on what we're to do. And the, really the question is, how, how are Christians supposed to engage culture? Okay, so I'm just going to hop right in. We're, we're talking big stuff right here. How are Christians supposed to engage culture? That's a good question. We talk a lot, around, we talk a lot here at Vine Life, whether you're new here to Vine Life. By the way, if you're new, thank you for being here today. If you're a guest with us, thank you for coming to hang out. Hope, hope it's a great experience for you. But if you've been around here for a while, we do talk a lot about our responsibility as believers to be people of the kingdom. And how many of you know that that involves a lot more than, than attending a 10 a.m. service on a Sunday morning? Is anybody with me on that, right? Our lives, what God has called us into, this, this vibrant, robust invitation to be ambassadors, to be people that live lives that affect and change atmospheres and environments. Is anybody with me on that? That's what he's called us into. Jesus talks about the church being like a city on a hill. And it, it, it's, it's, it's even encouraging for us, even in that word picture, that literally our facility, our church home here, is a building on top of a hill. And we have these windows. We get this unbelievable view of, of a great city. But God has called his church ever since the beginning to be a beacon of light and a beacon of hope in all of culture to help shape it. But what do we do when we live in a time where society doesn't necessarily want believers to shape the culture they live in? Okay? That's a big question. All right? Now, hang with me here for a sec. Over the last 50 years or so, um, uh, evangelicals in the church across the states, we've coined this term called culture wars, okay? And it's essentially in our desire and the church's desire to... to, um, uh, to be Jesus people and kingdom people, um, there's been 
a desire to want to influence and shape culture at every level. And that's, that, that is a good thing, and that is a desirable thing. But to have even in the government and public spheres of our society um, a, a public representation of morality and biblical principles in every part of our society. The only problem with the term culture wars, if you've ever heard that, that might be a brand new term to you, but it's this idea of reclaiming culture, right? The only problem with the term culture wars, anytime there's a war, there has to be an enemy, right? It demands there be an us and a them. But if you, if you guys are with me on this, I think the gospel is much different than that. The gospel isn't us and them. The gospel is we. We all need the loving, saving power of Jesus Christ to rescue us every single day of our lives, okay? And, and, and so there's been this kind of us and them thing that's created these divides and these enemies, and you can feel it sometimes. You can feel these walls of hostility come up when certain key issues. Now listen, with what happened last week, I'm not all riled up about that. That was one example of a long list of examples, and probably one example of many more to come, of kind of the, the separation of church and state. Um, but so for decades, we've had kind of these culture wars things, and what's happened is, is you create this us and them and this enemy type of mentality. But like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, that's fine. The culture war is in a whole different place, and, and, and in fact, I would say it's even over in the sense of believers and Christians are not the majority of the influence of the voice within different spheres of society. And it's almost likened to at, where at one point there is this very prominent place at the table, in a lot of ways, uh, Christians have been uninvited from the party about what culture is going to look like, and has to kind of stand on the outside of the door, which is an interesting place to be, I think, for us, because that's not something our country has necessarily been used to, or Christians has even been used to. But so, what happens when we've been uninvited for the party? Now, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, which is what I'm getting into, because I believe that there's something the Lord is doing in the church and wants to say to His church, Okay. And the reason I want to get into this today, I believe there's kind of a, a window since this is kind of a culturally th- a thing that we're talking about all around. I have been in countless conversations about what this is supposed to look like, what the church is supposed to look like, what leaders, what we're supposed to be doing. And there's something the Lord continues to stir inside of us. And what I want to talk to us is some of us who have begot, become nervous are like, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to speak up? Are we supposed to become louder? We need to straighten our spine and, 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 and fight this thing and fight this battle. But I believe there's something else the Lord wants to impart to us today. Are you guys, is it okay if we talk about that today? What's comforting as we kind of assess where we're at in this, is that this is not a unique place for the church to be in history, okay? And that's maybe a unique place for American Christians to be. This is not a unique place to be where the Christians aren't the dominant force that shapes culture within a particular country, okay? You take it back 2,000 years, there's a lot of examples that we could start with. Um, Let's start with Jesus, all right? All right, there's been conflict when it comes to what the gospel means and what culture means and what culture wants ever since day one, okay? And Jesus shows up on the scene and the language he's using and the things that he's talking about and the systems that he's challenging and everything he's doing. Um, from, from day one, he's just, there's just upendings because what he was saying was grating against the fiber of an established system and established customs and practices, right? It's to the point where... It got him killed, right? He laid down his life for all of mankind, but, but the, the people chose to not receive him. That's what we read in the scripture. Even the Son of God 
was not received by the people that were made in his image, the people that he created from before the foundations of the earth. Jesus came, and he was not, he was not received by the ones that he loved, right? And so Jesus goes to the cross, he resurrects, he, he commissions his disciples and his apostles, right? And then it was just easy from there on out, right? Just super easy. You read through Acts, all of that was really easy. No, 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 no. That's not what we read. In fact, we read story after story after story of this whole new thing, this whole new era of what was happening. And even for the apostles, what was interesting, it was, it was a little bit of an uphill battle with changing cultures. You know, and so we read, I'm going to look at this, this letter to the Corinthians, okay? This is going to get really good here in a second. This is going to just, in a second, it's going to get really good. You're like, oh my gosh, this is boring. Okay, no, this is going to get good here in just a second. See, even the apostles, as they were moving out, they had a challenge because they were confronting cultures that not only were not interested in the good news, but they were very hostile to it, okay? Particularly, there was two groups of people. One, the gospel was incredibly offensive, and it was just scandalous through and through. And to the other, it was just silly nonsense. And so what do you do when you're an apostle and you're a disciple commissioned to go make disciples of all nations, and the first people you go to want nothing to do with what you're talking about, okay? Now, this is, what, this is exactly what Paul starts writing about in, in his letter to the First Corinthians, okay? Because he's writing to a powerful... Um, it was more, more or less a pagan culture. They didn't really know a whole lot about what he was talking about, but he's writing to confront some systems of thought because this is a people, the, the church in Corinth was a people um, that the way they reasoned through things was through human wisdom, and they were building on, upon Greek systems of thought. And so he is confronting this. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 18. We're going to start there, all right? And we're going to kind of go through this. It says this. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And we're going to continue here in a second, but this is just a beautiful little excerpt. This is beautiful writing. And he's writing to very smart intellectual people, and he's using rhetorical language to draw them in and say, hey, listen, even God, right at the end, the foolishness of God, what does he say? The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, is he saying God is ever foolish or God is ever weak? No. Well, he's saying, hey, listen, even God on his worst day 
is, is, is so much better than you on your best day, all right? So you think, you're, you think you're up here, you think you have all these accolades and achievements, just chill out for a second, you're not that great, all right? Because God in his wisdom is doing something totally different here, he's playing every trump card he has, and he has unlimited trump cards, all right? And so Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and specifically, again, he's making a distinction between the Jews and the Greeks, and, and we have to understand this, this is what was going on. The message of the cross, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified. To the Jew, that was an absurd idea. Why? Because we've heard this before. The Messiah was not supposed to be killed. The coming king, the idea that uh, 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 somebody would come claim to be the Messiah and then be murdered on a tree, you've got to be kidding me. And so as this message would go out, it would grate against the very fiber of everybody who had built up an expectation of what this was supposed to look like and what kingship really looks like and what love really looks like and what transformation and and change actually looks like. And so to the Jew, it says it's a stumbling block. The Greek word, we talked about this before. Sorry if this is... Okay. We've talked about this before. The Greek word there for stumbling block is this word called scandalone. Which sounds familiar, right? Because that's where we get the word scandal, okay? It's scandalous. This is, this is scandalous because everything we ever thought this was supposed to look like, the way the Messiah was supposed to come and usher in this new thing, he's not doing it. And then there's this whole other group of people, the, the Greeks, the Gentiles, that were very steeped in, in one way of thought. And, and, and as the gospel would go out and the apostles and the disciples would be spreading, they'd be talking to these Greeks who had no understanding of any Jewish history. They could care less. And so their message, they're going out, hey, there's this man, Jesus, this Jew, on the other side of the empire, the, the, the side of the empire nobody cares about, and he died, he was pinned to a piece of wood, and he died so that the whole world could know life. And it was just this idea, it's like, that is the silliest thing I've ever heard. You've got to be kidding me. Some of you know what that was like. Maybe some of you, that was your experience, even coming into the faith, or actually when you first learned of Jesus. Are you kidding me? This first century Jewish man gets hung on a tree, and we're just, just you know, we're just, you know, flipping out about what happened 2,000 years ago with one guy. That's exactly what they were thinking. What is going on here? But Paul continues to say, listen, even to these guys, even to the ones that think this is scandalous, even the one who thinks this is nonsense, nobody in their right minds would have believed this news. But for those who entered into the message, for those who would believe, and explore, took a minute just to explore that space, not even just to invite Jesus in, but to come into the gospel and start looking around and finding around, there was something that began to happen in the hearts of people that nobody could explain. And it wasn't as simple as saying, oh, this makes total sense because of this, this, and this. As people started stepping foot into this brand new message of the gospel, things, just unprecedented things were happening. Things were changing. The power of God was moving out. And Paul is saying, listen, this message that we're talking about, it makes absolutely no sense to you, but I'm telling you, this is full of the wisdom and the power of God. Okay? You guys with me on this? And so we continue. And so he keeps talking about this. In chapter 2. And he says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what I believe the Lord wants to remind the church today, this is even about the world, this isn't about the government, this is what, the, what, what I believe the Lord wants to remind the church, and maybe that's just us here today, is that the gospel was always meant to be accompanied with the demonstration of the power of God, okay? And the alternative, though, what happens and what we see and what we get drawn into, and this is what I want to just warn you about, what we get drawn into, especially in, with the way Christians are in America, we get drawn into these conversations, and instead of our preaching and our message being demonstrated with the power of God, it just gets demonstrated with more words and louder words. And so here's what we have to understand. When we talk more and talk louder, that's not necessarily the path to cultural change. No, 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 don't hear me. I'm not talking about being silent, okay? That, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm talking about here is speaking more and speaking louder is not always the best path to the kingdom of heaven invading a country and invading our spaces and invading our nation, okay? Now, and you guys know what this is like when you, you, know, you talk louder. Like, if you've ever been out of the country, you've, you've probably experienced this before. If you've been out of the country, and you know that moment where you're in a country and you're talking to somebody and there's a language barrier? And instead of trying to figure out the language, what do we do as Americans? You say the same thing, you just talk louder, right? So, like, there's obviously a disconnect in what you're saying, you know, they're not understanding you. And, here, and here's us as Americans. I said, where is the bathroom? You know, and we're talking, and we're like, listen, I'm not deaf. I just don't understand what you're saying, right? Donde esta? You know, we're just going through the whole list, and they're like, no entiendo, inglés. You know, it's just this ridiculous thing. Like, why are we talking louder? Nobody knows, right? But that's, that's America's contribution to the world, right? Everybody else knows that except us, right? <laughs> talking louder doesn't necessarily help if you're not speaking the same language. And you know this with your kids too, right? Anybody with young kids knows this, that, you know, when you, you know, if your kids are kind of in cahoots, right? Or, you know, in a kind of a place of discipline, it's not a good idea for them to be talking louder to you, Right? Is that, does that get him anywhere, parents? <laughs> but dad, you know, it's like, psst, you know, zip it, zip it, right? But dad, you know, it's like, okay, this isn't working for you. Whatever strategy you're working on about talking louder, it's not working. Let me make this easy for you. Go to your room, right? That's, that's what we're doing here. It doesn't always work, but listen to me on this. When we lose our power, Our only resort is to try to speak louder. But volume is no substitute for the power of God. For too long, Christians in the West have relied on political power and financial power rather than growing in supernatural power. But our greatest call is to demonstrate the power of the cross through the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Okay? We have been given a luxury of having other powers to rely on. You know what our brothers and sisters around the world have that we don't have? They have to, they have to rely on the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. They have no other choice. 
And I believe what God is doing in our day and what he's reminding us of, and this has never changed, this is what he's always intended for the church of Jesus Christ, is that our words aren't just becoming many, and they're not just becoming louder. But as we speak, but more importantly, as we live, we live lives that are so compelling because they're being lived out of the powerful fruit of the Holy Spirit, demonstrating transformed lives and not just talking about transformed lives. That we get to demonstrate to the world everything that we talk about in the Scripture. It's not just about representing more causes or saying Scripture louder. It's about our lives speaking something that our words can never speak on their own. Volume is no substitute for the power of God. No, again, I'm not saying we just need to back off and be silent with some of these if that's what you're, if that's what you're hearing. I'm not saying, I'm just saying we need to be loud, but not loud with our words, loud with our lives. There is another type of speech and another type of language, another type of message that God is raising up because he's, he's developing a bride who is powerful. And he's de- developing and he's maturing and calling us into a stature that many of us have forgotten about. And we could get into a ruckus and get loud when we get into places that are uncomfortable. But the other option is we can begin to pray and we can begin to seek the Lord and we can let the fruit of our lives speak for themselves and partner with God in the kingdom of heaven coming to earth that shapes identity and we get to be the ones on the ground to, to, to announce that on the grassroots level in every day of our lives. So I, I, I don't believe, like when we go through certain things like this and the government disagrees with things that are said in Scripture, I don't believe God is on the throne thinking, oh my, dear, dear me, what am I going to do about this? He's not getting nervous, okay? Now does that mean he's not moved with compassion or moved towards the people he loves? Does that mean he's never grieved? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I don't, I don't believe God is up in arms because I know that in God's wisdom, part of what he's doing is he's saying, hey, listen, I want the church in America to wake up to everything that she was ever meant to be and the places that she's relied on false powers and false strengths and all these other things, I'm stirring her up to demonstrate the power of God so that there's juice, so that there's fruit, there's traction when my people go about in their living and in their working and in their neighborhoods that it's more than words that speak of something but it's lives that demonstrate their own power. Don't you love when you read through the book of Acts that People wanted to disagree with the apostles, but they couldn't because what was happening by their hands and through their prayers and through their lives was so powerful that it spoke on its own, that it stood on its own. And they would see these guys and their faces would be glowing like angels. And they would talk, and though they were mentally disagreeing with everything they were saying, they couldn't refute the power and the anointing of God that was spilling over in their speech. And listen, sometimes they would speak up, and I believe sometimes they would address large groups of people and call them to repentance and confession. But listen, the authority of God doesn't have to be loud. It can come in a whisper. And the Holy Spirit... That's why the Holy Spirit can speak to you in a whisper because he doesn't need to talk to you loud all the time because when you carry power and authority, it speaks for itself. And I believe that God is raising us up to be the type of people that know what power and authority look like and are not afraid to grow in it and don't rely on other types of power and authority but rise into the stature of the church of Jesus Christ that he always intended for us to become. So that's why I don't think God's worried. In fact, I think God is super excited about what's happening through his sons and daughters right now. 
because there's this stirring, there's this thing that's waking up, and we're realizing, listen, I don't have to let my leaders speak for me. I don't have to let politicians speak for me. I don't have to let anybody speak for me. I have been given an ambassadorship through Christ. This, we're talking about the priesthood of all believers. We all get a chance to play in the game. We don't have to wait for somebody to speak for us. You can let the fruit of the Spirit in your life send its own message to the world. Are you guys with me on that? And I love what happens when, when, when this works. And I believe this is what God's doing in the country. And I'm imagining a day where the fruit of our lives gets us invited back into the table. Now listen, I have a friend a couple years ago. This is, this, is, this is just a really precious moment. I was invited to officiate a friend's wedding. And she's not a believer. Um, but what happened was before the wedding, uh, we were all getting ready. All the, the bride and the bridesmaids were all in one room, and I was kind of doing my other thing or whatever, getting ready for the wedding. About five minutes before, someone comes in to get, to get me and says, the bride would like to see you. And so I went into to go see her, and I came in, and my wife and I came in, and, and she said, you know, she basically told everybody else that was in the room, her family, all of her other bridesmaids, friends, she kicked them all out of the room. And she, and, and she just kind of broke down for a second. She said, you guys... I am so stressed out. This is, this is five minutes before the wedding. She said, I am so stressed out. I am so frustrated. I cannot take this anymore. This is so intense, and I don't know what to do. But I know that you guys carry peace. And I knew that if I had you guys come in and pray for me, that something would happen. So I want you, and so she kicks everybody else out of the room. Except, now, five minutes before the wedding, this is the point. You're supposed to be pretty excited, Right? This is a good, I mean, you're supposed to have kind of that nervous excitement, you know, you're maybe on edge a little bit, but it's in a good way, right? And, and, and we, we lay our hands on her, and we just start praying the peace of God over her, and tears are streaming down her face, which is, again, not great timing for tears. <laughs> Save that till after the, the pictures, at least, right? But it was a moment, it was a fullness of time moment, where she said, I don't know what else to do, but I know that you guys carry peace. Now, in that moment, there was a part of my heart that was like, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I don't know what I did. I don't know how, I did. I don't know how she would see that. I don't know how that came out. But God, thank you that there was something recognizable that we would get invited into that room where others were being kicked out. And I believe that, you know, we read all throughout the Old Testament, Joseph and Daniel, people that are getting invited into rooms they shouldn't be in. Believers getting invited into places where others are being kicked out of. I believe in a day where in every sphere of culture, it's not just because the wisdom of men. It's not because we figured out something smart to say, and it's not because we have good reasons to be in that room. It's because the fruit of our spirit, the fruit of our lives, the fruit of the spirit coming out of us is speaking a, a language for itself. And people are saying, whatever is going on in your life right there, I want that in my office, in my space, in this sphere of society. And I believe that's what God is doing, but he has to teach us humility, and he has to bring us back to a dependence on the power and the spirit of God in every day of our lives. Do you guys hear me today? And I think that involves a couple different things. For some of us, I do believe that involves repentance. Of God, show me the places where I've abdicated my responsibility to be a person of power and authority. Show me places where I've just left that off or left that for somebody else, God. Convict our hearts, Holy Spirit, in places where we haven't walked into that degree of power that you have called us to live in. 
Other, others of us, I know even in a room this size, some of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're like, what? That, sounds, that all sounds crazy, right? But I'm telling you, there is an infilling of the Holy Spirit of God that you cannot put language to, but you need, and you need to experience it. Some of you need to be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. And something is activated, something happens in that moment. When you say yes to God, Holy Spirit, whatever this is, whatever is going on, God, I, I don't want to live a life just based on my own intellect, based on my own reasoning and accolades, God. I want to live a life marked by the power and authority of your Spirit. And the, and the rest of us just need to, comp- just to pray for the Holy Spirit to continue to pour out his Spirit in fresh ways so that we're marked for a new season. A new season of living, a new season of announcing the kingship and lordship of Jesus. Where though maybe some would disagree, they're like, I disagree with what you're saying, but I cannot disagree with what you're demonstrating. Is anybody alive here today? So let's do this. Um, I, I, I want to take a moment. Mark, you can come up and play because keyboards are always nice, right? Um, let's, let's stand together. Let's just, uh, let's just wait on the Holy Spirit for a moment. If you don't mind, we're just going to be silent just for a, a minute here. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, to help us respond to your word, God. We thank you for the message of the cross. The message of the cross is the power of God. And this morning, God, I pray for whoever feels a stirring in their heart that you would help them put language to what that is and how they need to respond. We thank you, Holy Spirit, to to guide us in this. But if, if you're with me here today and across the room and you feel this place in your heart where maybe um, there's a possibility you have let go of that responsibility to walk in the power of God and the demonstration of the Spirit of God or maybe you've just kind of said, okay, that's optional, but I'll kind of do my thing. There's a place, I believe, of confession and repentance that The Lord wants to change the way we think. That means changing the way we think about ourselves, changing the way we think about his purposes, his desires. And if you wouldn't mind joining me in that, and use your own words, but I'm going to pray, and we want to ask the Lord to honor this moment with us. God, I pray for the church of Jesus Christ. I pray for myself, Lord. I pray for this fellowship of believers. And I thank you, God, that you've called us to be representatives of who you are, God, not with the wisdom of men, but with the power of God. And God, and for the places where we've set that aside, where we've abdicated our authority, where we've just not walked in the fullness, God, I just pray that in some way, somehow, God, you would show us that this is what we were meant for.
that there is no gospel outside of the power of God. There is no good news outside of a demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. And Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you forgive us in places where we have not taken you seriously in this regard? God, would you wake us up? Would you wake us up into a new mantle, into a new season where we can demonstrate to the world your goodness in tangible ways, where the peace and the joy and the self-control, the patience, God, the love would be spilling out in every way, where we can move, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders and words of prophecy and words of knowledge and encouragement and healing, miracles, Lord God, We pray for a new season, Lord God, where they're not reserved for a few people and and the elite, but they are given to every one of us, God. I pray that you break down in our thinking any mindset that holds those things for another time or another day or another person. God, I pray that you restore that to your church, each and every one of us. Forgive us, Holy Spirit. And we thank you, you have forgiven us. But I pray that there is continue stirring and awakening in our hearts to walk in the stature you've called us to. And collectively, can we pray for the church across the nation? Let's take, let's take a moment and pray for the awakening of the church. Just let's supersede our fellowship here. We are part of a larger church, a larger body. We are one little facet of this whole thing. God, we lift up your, your sons and daughters. We lift up the body of Christ even in the States, God, of course, the rest of the world, but God, I, I pray that even in the West, Lord, that you would wake us up, Lord God, that you would pour out your spirit in a new way, God, that ruffles feathers, that gets us out of comfort zones, Lord God, that breaks down boxes, that breaks out of these structures and systems that we've kept you in. God, we just, we pray for something new and something fresh, Lord God. We don't get to rely on the same things we used to, but we get to rely on the demonstration of the spirit of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for a pouring out of your spirit. We thank you. You've already poured yourself out, but you want to continue to pour yourself out in fresh ways, Lord God, and in fresh seasons for each and every one of us, God. I pray for a new language, a new fervor to accompany Christ's followers across this nation, God. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to invite the ministry team up front here today. If you're on the ministry team, you can come up front and line line the front of the, the room here. And if you're here today and you've never had anybody pray for you to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit, can I just suggest that maybe today is your day? Can I suggest that maybe there's a moment of time here for you? Maybe if you're not even sure if that's happened, if you've never had that, where somebody has laid their hands on you and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it's all over the book of Acts, what happens when salvation, the power of God comes, believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. If that's never happened for you, as we end today's service, come forward. As other people are going out, I want you to come forward and receive prayer. These are people you can trust. Also, you can get prayer for anything you want from these people. But I believe today. I hope you hear the heart here today. We are in a critical time and a critical season, and I believe that God is using each other. He's, he's calling us to stir each other up to love and good works. Are you guys hearing that today?
thank you for that clap on that side of the room and the one in the back over there. And let's believe in faith together. And I want you, as you go out, ask the Lord, God, would you stir up in me a new faith for a new season? And God, would you stir up fruit that is so powerful that it sends a message that I don't even have to have words that accompany it. But the message of Christ and the power of Christ is going out. God, I pray your blessing over every single one of us. Lord God, stir us up, Lord Jesus. Stir us up to be the people that you've called us to be. Blessings on every person in every place where our feet tread. Every conversation that flows out of this place, Lord God, we pray for stories and testimonies of breakthrough, deliverance, victories, success, Lord God, just going out into every person, every neighborhood, every workplace, Lord God, that every conversation we had is loaded with blessing, loaded with power, loaded with victory and breakthrough, Lord Jesus. We thank you. This is who you've called us to be. We thank you that we're a city on a hill. We thank you that we're an army. We thank you that we're a bride and we're a body and we're a building that you're building up and to be this beautiful family, Lord Jesus. I bless your church and I bless this day we're in and we respond to your call and and your invitation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.